This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 9 of the Stacey US podcast. I'm your co-host Ben and I'm joined as ever by my man Gary. How are we getting on mate? I'm doing very well mate. You got it right that time as well. Very good. Yeah, it took me two attempts to to get the uh, the intro right this time, but uh, I think it's understandable. You know, we've we've had a little bit of an extended break from from recording. Um, obviously, last week's one went out a little bit earlier than normal, mm. um, but I don't think we could have really predicted, and indeed we didn't, what uh, exactly what happened on Saturday, um, because that was, I mean, that was something else, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it was. You're right. For sure. It seems like ages since we've recorded a podcast. Seems like an awful lot's happened. Um, uh, yeah, six two away from home. You, you never travel to an away game thinking you're going to score six goals. Nineteen thirty one. Did somebody say nineteen thirty two? I, I think it was. Yeah, January thirty two, wasn't it? I know I wrote it down in a blog, but but retaining it was Darlington. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be quite controversial. I don't think we actually played that brilliantly. Um, I, I, we, we were good. You know, we, we played the ball about nicely, but we created one meaningful chance from open play that Shane McCartan scored. And that was actually a Josh Vickers assist, um, which was a a typical punt upfield and and McCartan scored. And then it was just five set pieces and we played some nice patterns. We played like a team who knew that they were going to score every time they got a set piece because we didn't really offer an awful lot at the keeper other than from corners. No, I mean, I I can't I, I can't you know disagree with the fact that you know we we didn't score anything other than uh, you know the the games from uh, from set pieces and you know obviously the McCartan's goal was so well taken I and mean, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. come on to it but uh, um, I thought you know we we were we did exactly what we needed to do I think there was enough in the warm up um, and the run up to the game obviously we you know. Uh, Missing Akindi, missing uh, Shackle in the warm-up, and obviously missing O'Connor as well. If you want to look at it, you know, kind of pragmatically, that is the spine of the team. You know, that, that's that's three, you know, three key players down the middle of the team that you don't really want to lose. Um, and you know, to, to lose three players 
of those, you know, of that caliber before the game starts and then, and then walk away after scoring six. I mean, yes, we were helped by a, some atrocious defending. Um, I mean, I, I watched the game, you know, watched the highlights back again today and I just thought for, you know, Bozzy's goal, where was the defense? There was, there was nobody on that. Um, there was absolutely nobody on that, on that post at all. And Bozzy just sort of crept in and, you know, karate kicked it in and it was fine. It was just the, the most bizarre game of football I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. I was sat, you know, I was sat at home watching it on the, on iFollow. Mm. Um, well, you know, I couldn't <laughs> get there. Um, I was I was just saying to you beforehand actually the um the the game uh the Saturday for me was just an amazing day you know we won 6-2 away from home and then um I traveled up to Leeds to watch one of my favorite bands of all time play their debut album in full uh, in a venue with 290 other people I think it was so it was it was incredible um, but I digress slightly um the game you know <sighs> I can't argue um, when you know when you say we we didn't play brilliantly. I think the the fact is uh, when you score, you know, when there's a goal, what every twelve minutes or so, it's mm-hmm. probably difficult to get that much of a rhythm going, um, and you know, to get that much going on in the game. But ultimately, yeah. you know, you can't complain when we've won. You know, we've no, taken no, we've no, won no, six two. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we played badly. Um, I think we played. Well, I just, you know, I, I'd, I'd seen reports on the BBC um, with words like scintillating Lincoln, and I don't think it was scintillating. I think it was a very good performance. I think it was a well-managed performance. Um, Paul Vale were, were, were awful. I mean, you've said atrocious. I've, I've used the word woeful. I, look in a thesaurus, look under woeful and atrocious. Every other word you see, that describes their defending. <laughs> From, I mean, Harry Anderson's goal, the corner was, uh, I assume we've been working on them, but it was one of those frustrating ones that for the last six games has been cleared by the first man. Falls to Harry yeah. Anderson and he, his markers stood next to the guy on the post. So there's two of them almost on the line and the keepers, and they still get beat at the near post. And I think, you know, with the disruption prior to the game as well, you know, th- there was a, there was actually a scope for us to struggle in a game. So, yeah, you know, I don't want to do the side an injustice when I say I don't think we played that well. I don't, I don't think we were absolutely brilliant. I think when you look at a 6-2 win, you think, Jesus, they've done well. And I think on the balance of play, um, open play chances, etc., I think it was more like a, a, a 3-1 than a 6-2. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't argue with that. I think um, you you actually made a good point in the last podcast where we were talking about um, the set pieces, and you said you know it, it we're trying to play those kind of set pieces where if you play four or five of them and they don't come off, they're frustrating. But then you play one of them and you know all of a sudden if it comes off and you score, they're the best thing in the world. And I think the fact is we we were allowed to basically run training ground. Um, training ground routines all game last Saturday. I don't think there was anything that that Port Vale sort of set up adequately to defend. It was it it, it was just like watching something from a training ground. Yeah, they had four um, centre halves on the pitch in order to combat our set pieces. And look what happened. It was it was just I mean yeah it was it was woeful defending um from them. But you know, it was a professional display from us. We didn't, you know, we didn't really sit, you know, take a foot off the pedal and we didn't really sit back. And I think um, there was something that, um, there was something that I think you said in the 
piece on the site, which was um, that even at six one down, they still looked to be playing it about. You know, they were still they were still attacking, even though I mean, I say attacking, they were <laughs> passing the ball about and trying to get into a final third, but. You know, they weren't just heads down. That's it, lads. We've you know we've we've screwed it up. Let's you know let's go again next Saturday. They were sort of still trying to play even at you know eighty plus minutes in, and it showed by the fact they got the late penalty. Which you know we'll let's talk a little bit about about some of those decisions because yeah. any other day we would be sat here foaming at the mouth at the referee. I guess. Any other day, we're probably sat here talking about a Lincoln City 9-1 win because um, we should have had a penalty. And uh, one of the questions that we we put out there, Alan Long basically said, penalty or no penalty. There's no debate. I mean, I've heard Steve O'Dare, um, who's, I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, lots of respect for Steve, um, but he talks sort of rubbish when he says it's not a foul. Absolute utter rubbish. Of course it's a foul. Lee Frecklington's lifted the ball over the keeper and the keeper has taken him out. Okay, granted, mm-hmm. it wasn't um, cynical. It wasn't, and you'll be—I don't even remember this. But Harold Schumacher, nineteen eighty-two World Cup, Joel Batterson, people of a certain age will, will relate to that. If you don't YouTube it, it wasn't mm. full on assault, but it's a foul. The ball has been lifted past the goalkeeper, and the keeper has then taken Lee Frecklington out. That is a foul. That is a penalty. Is it a red card? Mm. It's not a goal-scoring opportunity because the ball's already gone. So potentially it's not a red card, but it, it, it absolutely won. I mean, my, a penalty. My argument to that is that it's it's a goal-scoring opportunity in as much as, you know, Freck has been pressured into taking the shot and then he's been completely, like you say, just wiped out straight after it. Um, I personally, for me, that's a penalty. That's a red card all day long. Um, you know, the argument of, yes, he's the last man. And also there is the argument of, you know, he's, he's not denied a goal-scoring opportunity because the ball's gone. I, I I think if he hadn't have been charging down as quickly as he was, maybe the argument is there that the, the shot wouldn't have been, you know, wouldn't have been let off as, let off as quickly as it was. Mm. But I mean, yeah, I... <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It was just horrendous. I mean, I actually had the privilege of meeting Frack last night. Um, Name dropping. And I had a good chat with him. Well, you know, <laughs> um, I had I had, uh, I had a chat with him about you know how he was feeling and, and how he was doing after um, after the you know the incident. And uh, he he was he was saying you know he was really feeling it Saturday night, Sunday, and Monday, like really just mm. a lot of pain and. Um, it's not surprising because, I mean, you know, you put your knee into somebody, particularly in, you know, the area around their knee. And I've, I've had problems with one, you know, with my knees before and it's not nice, you know, and that's not even with an impact to it. And uh, I mean, for the, you know, for the Vale fans to sit there and, and, you know, boo and jeer and everything, when you watch that back, it is, it, you know, when people have said, oh, it's not a red card, the keeper's planted his foot and he's leant forward. He's, he's pushed his weight forward. And he's, it's gone into Freck. And that is, you know, if, if he'd have been half a yard quicker or half a yard slower, he, he could have broken his leg. But, you know, I'm not here to go into hyperbole. I, I think the point, Personally, I, 
Oh, go on, mate. Yeah. So I think the only point I'd make about it is that when you look at things back, we, you can analyse them and not not do it as much in real time. And that's where my defence to the keeper comes. And I liken that to Matt Reed in the Czech Trade Trophy final, because when you look at that back in slow motion, it looks like Matt Reed has performed the wrestling move on Dean Henderson, a forearm smash, whereas in real terms, in real time, he's raised his arm to protect himself, having glanced to see that he's ready for a collision. So. I think for that to be a red card, I think there has to be a degree of intent to take Freck out. I think I think there's also a, a, one of the new rules, isn't there, some sort of intent question as well. And I think mm. I think that's where the grey area is. I don't believe the keeper has come out to take out Lee Frecklington. I do believe that he's fouled him uh, clumsily. And I think, you know, we didn't get that penalty. And then, of course, what, two minutes later, and I'll say this quite comfortably, the overweight referee who, if you look at pictures of him, he's got he's, he's nearly as heavy as me. Um, I mean, he makes me look, you know, fit. He makes us both look like we've got worms. Um, but, <laughs> do you know, basically, I, 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 I'm still gobsmacked about it because Andrade goes over and there's never any any idea of him giving him a penalty at all. There's a picture of him that uh, Bob's took where he's telling Andrade off. If it's a dive, book Andrade. But he doesn't. Mm. So if you don't book Andrade, it's a foul. So again, it's another penalty. And what's really frustrating is when you watch the highlights back, it's exactly the same, the same angle coming into the box as their so-called penalty claim. Now, I actually, I, I, um, I don't think theirs was a penalty and therefore I'm a bit of a hypocrite because that would mean that Bruno's isn't. But the keeper didn't, you know, their player didn't even hit the deck before the keeper was pointing to the spot. And I just got that feeling that he mm. wanted to hear that roar of the home crowd. You know, you know, he, he felt sorry for him almost. And for me, that's bad refereeing. And you look back at him, he refereed Newport last year when we went there and they had a man sent off. We drew nil-nil. Um, and I, everybody was very highly critical of him because as soon as he had sent their man off, all he did was give them all of the decisions for the next 30 minutes. And I just mm. think there's bad referees, Seb Stockbridge, obviously. Um, there's good referees. Tom Neal is a very good referee. And then there's people like Brett Huxtable who are reactive referees. And they're the very, very worst kind. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was a poor decision. Um, I, personally, I think, um, you know, I think Bruno was a bit too quick to, to hit the deck. Um, I, I think uh, we were, you know, we were, we were texting each other during the game. I think um, you said to me, "What about Bruno's?" I said, "I'd, I'd struggle to, you know, if, if, I'd struggle to condone it if it was given against us." Um, obviously, later on, it pretty much was. Um, but yeah, I, there is a side to Bruno's game that is a bit frustrating sometimes, which is, you know, he's he's that kind of player that will he, he will sort of try and. Win not it. not con the referee, but he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll do anything to win, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, I don't really have a problem with that, but sometimes when you know that there's a decision like that, where I mean, he's he had the pace to beat the man. He he, he could have, in my opinion, he could have done a lot more than he did. Um, and that sounds really critical, and it's not. You know, it, he could have he could have beaten the man. He could have you know cut it back, but instead he chose to go to deck, and it's like well. Maybe you know that wasn't necessary for for what he was trying to do, but yeah, I I can't criticise him because you know we won six two. But yeah, anyway. we're sounding um, critical. I think the point there that, that you just made, it and um, I, I didn't quite get it across, is I don't think you should ever be be um, credited with winning a penalty. I don't think you no. win a penalty. I think you're either fouled 
where you're not fouled. And Bruno, who, I, who personally is, is my fav- one of my favourite players at the minute, I think he's a brilliant footballer. I think he'll play at a higher level, as he already has briefly. Um, but he tries to win penalties. If you're in the box, you go in at goal. If you get fouled, it's penalty. If you don't get fouled, you create a, an opportunity. End of story for me. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's essentially what I'm, you know, what I was trying to say as well. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, so the um, the one thing that I did want to <laughs> one thing that I did want to sort of bring up as a facetious point. Um, obviously, we you know we lost uh, we lost John Akindi before the game um, as a result of a training ground incident. Um, the the a lot of people praising Matt Reed, but the argument that I've got, you know. Really came on. Yes, he played very well, but he didn't score. People are criticising John Akindi for not scoring. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I, you know, I think the point. One of the reasons that I think Akindi's getting stick is that he was a big money buy in the summer, and you know, really kind of wasn't. And I think I I agree with you. I I don't think Matt Reed did anything on Saturday that John Akindi didn't do against Crew the week before, other than obviously Reedy played eighty odd minutes. Um, but there was very little difference in their performances, and yet Reedy is lauded as a as a, as a legend, which is something I think we've, we've we've got to touch on later anyway as a question. And obviously Akindi isn't. Um, the, the worst thing is that that game was probably made for a John Akindi. To be honest, with the yeah. with the way that they were playing, with the with the running, because when Matt Green came on, I thought then we looked like actually scoring from open play. I mean, Ellis Chapman played a cracking ball through for him, which he you know, he missed the one on one. But no, I you know, I'd, please by all means, Ben, be facetious. <laughs> like yeah, I'd, I'm you know, I am I am taking the piss a little bit. Obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of praise from you know for Reedy and, and I'm full of praise as well you know he had I thought he had a very good game but the the other side of the coin is like you say Akindi does much of the same stuff and people are missing it but anyway we shall move on from Vale um I think you know we're four points clear still um we are guaranteed to be top until at least Tuesday afternoon um again which you know the more you say it, the more it sounds a bit strange. You know, we're guaranteed to be top for at least another one or, you know, maybe a game and a half. You know, another another game in 89 minutes, we're guaranteed to be top for. It's, it's crazy. Um, but let's look ahead now uh, to Cambridge. So Cambridge comes to the bank on Saturday. It's nice to have two home games on the um, on the spin, particularly when they're that close together. Um Obviously, we've got Cambridge and then we've got uh, Carlisle next Tuesday night. So, in an ideal world, and let's be honest at the moment, Lincoln are getting as close to an ideal world as they want, um, we're going to take six points from the next two games. Personally, I can't see anything other than that. What have you got anything that that would differ in that opinion, or you know, let's let's go into let's go into Cambridge first off. Yeah, I think um, we we spend a lot of time on the pod, and I I do with around the ground, kind of saying what champions do. So when you play badly and win, that's what champions do. When you go to Port Vale and you win heavily, that's what champions do. Um, and I've got another one: champions follow up good results. And so there's no point in going and winning six two at Port Vale if we then go out and put in a tepid. Crawley slash Berry performance in at home against Cambridge and, and, and don't win the game. On the other hand, we've spoken quite regularly uh, on the podcast as well about 
not being able to see any other outcome than than a Lincoln victory. And this Saturday, that has got to be evident more than ever because this is Lincoln with the best goal difference in the division against Cambridge with the worst goal difference in the division. Um, I've been looking at Cambridge as a team. Their top men, uh, well, certainly their top man is George Maris, who obviously we know well. He played for us on loan from Barnsley in the National League under Chris Moises. Um, he's their joint leading scorer with a guy called A.D. Aziz. Now, people who who read the blog, and hopefully there are some of them out there, um, will know that we were quite close to signing A.D. Aziz uh, at the beginning of last season, I believe, on a free transfer. He'd been at Partick Thistle, I think. Um, but they've got two apiece. Mm-hmm. Now, that's okay, when you look at our team, you know, we've got a lot of players on two, three goals. They've not got a lot of players on two, three goals. They've got two or two goals. Um, yeah. In terms of assists, it's Jabo Ibiri. Now, he's a great big lump. Matt Reed, minus, you know, he's 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 been a, a prolific goal scorer. I think he's 34, 35 now. Um, and obviously, they've been nodding. He's been nodding the balls on for players to run on to. They have scored five away from home conceded 14 so they scored fewer away from home all season than we scored in one afternoon at Port Vale and they've not kept to, <laughs> they've not kept a clean sheet away from home uh, or kept a clean sheet at all since September the 1st um, so on the face of it it's basically like us hosting Macclesfield or somebody like that I mean they've got eight points I think which is you know it's pathetic for a side like Cambridge Um but there is a statistic, of course, which you've picked up on, which um, might point to it not being as straightforward. Yeah, so the, the there was a piece that uh, is on the blog at the moment, um, the the stats preview from Tom, um, and it's it, it's an interesting stat because it kind of says um, in there that uh, there's only really been well one change made to the Cambridge side over the past uh, over the past three games and you know during the game there's only been one substitution made and they've usually been quite late on in the game so it kind of says in there you know is this a sign that the first team is starting to click and something's starting to come together um personally i can't see too much of a threat in terms of in terms of them coming here and you know rolling us over i don't think no no team this season you know sounds arrogant but I, I honestly don't think any team's going to roll us over this season um maybe they'll give us a bit more of a game than than Vale did uh but if they're starting to click then you know like it says in the in the piece you know maybe the first 11 are starting to build a bit of a rhythm so I think if we you know if we just stick to what we need to do um if Danny just basically you know says some obviously Danny will be as prepped as he ever as he always is but if he turns around and says right this is this is pretty much the way they're going to play. We can nullify the threats here, here, and here. We've seen the first eleven. There's not been too many changes. Let's you know, let's just go out and, and stop them from playing the game that they want to play, and then we'll we'll run away with it. I I, I don't know. What, what what do you reckon? Well, there's three points there. First one, I don't think that Danny will be stopping them playing anything. I think that um, we'll go out and play our game against Cambridge. I don't think there's a significant enough threat uh, for us to nullify. I don't think it's like a tramway coming with a Norwood or or even arguably, I mean, Port Vale were missing him on Saturday, but like a Tom Pope. There isn't something like that. There isn't anyone I can see really pulling the strings in midfield other than Maris. Um, with regards to Tom's stat, great stat. Tom does some fantastic work for uh, for the Stacey West. But 
it could also be an indication of the fact that their substitutes bench is that crap that they they don't want to bring don't want to make the changes they don't feel that they've got that in their locker I mean their last result actually they did very well they um I think they lost one nil to MK Dons and you know there's no shame in that at all but at the same time they still lost and the third thing is we could actually see quite an odd statistic in that if we do win there's rumors that Joe Dunn the manager there um could end up leaving his job and if he does that it would be the second successive season in which a game against Lincoln has been the last one that the Cambridge manager has managed because obviously Sean Derry left immediately after our nil nil draw there um earlier in the year so oh, that is that's a stat and a half that is it is isn't it i also i mean uh, you know I, I did put a tweet out earlier that Cambridge haven't scored against us um, since 2012, I believe it is, at Sinsel Bank. Um, and the last time that they won at Sinsel Bank, I think, was 1995. Uh, there's very, very few goals been in any of our matches. There was two nil-nils last year. I think the last two matches we played in the National League were narrow one-nils. They always tend to be tight games. So now I've said that, I'm going to go for a 5-2 win. To okay. I think I think there'll be I think there will be goals in it. I think that um I think Cambridge have got to come and have a go. If Joe Dunn is fighting for his job and we do go one goal up, he's gonna have to do something to try and win the game and that opens up gaps at the back. So I think if you're a betting man and you put both teams to score, I would fancy both teams to score this week, definitely. Fair enough. That's that's a decent shout. Um yeah, i I think uh I honestly think you know we've we've got nothing to worry about, and I, I don't want to sound arrogant, but what else can you do? You know, you've, <laughs> we've just come off the back of a six-two win. We're looking we're looking better each week. I think there was a there was a tweet from the guys at NCT Twenty in the you know in the week who said, uh, "Are there any players in particular that uh, are looking um, you know are looking dangerous?" And I thought, well, you know. Andrade is getting better every game. Mm. There's eleven of them. He's, yeah, you know he's he's not he's not um, he's he's not letting up. He's not you know stopping. He's he's looking stronger. He's looking better. He's looking you know I think you said last week he's looking to make those runs down the channels. And he's the thing that frightens me about our team is just how easy it is for Andrade and Anderson to just flip. Mm-hmm. Like you you'll be watching and then all of a sudden. Andrade's on the right, Harry's on the left, and they're cutting in. And you think, bloody hell, this is this is. If I was the opposition, I would be genuinely terrified about how this is going to play out. Um, and it's it's fantastic to watch. But uh, we'll we'll sort of. I mean, you you've said five two. I personally think we're we're probably going to be looking at a three four one um, mm. on Saturday. I think we're going to be looking to to come back. And you know, I think I think uh, Akindi's going to start. I think he's going to be. He's going to be chomping at the bit to to get back in the team and uh, you know prove a lot of people wrong. Um, and I just hope that we can we can somehow make what's been slightly missing uh, at Central Bank over the past few games come back. You know, I think we've had this almost apathy or you know almost uh, complacency, which I think we've mentioned in previous podcasts, uh, where things you know we've won, but they've not necessarily been the best performances in the world. But I think if we can start to to get the performances in as well as the the results, I think we're going to see, you know, some some fantastic football down there. Um, there's one thing actually that I did, um, you know, you're going to have to you're going to help me pick this one up because I'm dropping it again. But uh, when I was talking to Fred yesterday, um, we did say that you know 
he he said that they're currently the team seem to be enjoying getting tired with this, you know, this brush of all the, the, the managers and the players coming out before in the press conferences saying, well, you know, Lincoln are a direct team. They're a big physical, you know, long ball team and, and all this. And they're just sat there going, all right, you know, come and set up as if we're going to be direct because some of the football that we played on uh, on Saturday, you know, despite the fact it didn't necessarily always lead to a chance, but some of the football we played on Saturday was brilliant. And I think if we can, uh, if we can keep that up, then we'll be, uh, we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, um, I do think that there's an element of that surprise, which will soon go. I think it happened in Scoey's year as well, that teams expected us to be long ball. They came to us and, and that wasn't the case. Um, there won't be very many more teams underestimate us because we're, you know, the secret. The cat's out of the bag. The secret's gone. You know, teams are going to know that we're, that's not what we do. Um, but we do still in a, in a way as well, because we still get balls into the box from corners, from free kicks, every single set piece opportunity. So they still need to be able, teams need to be able to defend against a long ball team in inverted commas um, because we're still going to put in an aerial threat. So um, it'll be interesting and it'll only be the underprepared managers, I think, that kind of come and and, and underestimate us, so to speak. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch very, very briefly on Tuesday because um, obviously it's hard to preview a game not knowing what the result is in the intermediary. Um but John Sheridan's a manager who I don't think his heart's in it at Carlisle. I seem to think when he got the job, he said something along the lines of, I was unemployed. It was a job. Let's see what we can do. Um, yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing that quote at the time and I just thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's not how you, you know, that's not how you go about it with a, you know, potential new fan base that you want to endear yourself to. He's he's the sort of manager that will come and go, yeah, they'll play long ball because, you know, he's spending his evenings catching up on um, Peaky Blinders or something like that, isn't he? And he's, I, I, I don't know, you look at Carlisle and we, you know, we have touched on them briefly, but what they lost four at home. Um not scored in those four games at home. They are better on their travels, which is something to be wary of. Uh, but again, I'd, they're the sort of team that will underestimate us. But teams around us, coming to Sinselbank, your Newports, your Exeters, um, yeah, 99% of the rest of the league w- won't believe we're a long ball side anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, touching again, touching briefly on, on Tuesday, I think it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting in terms of atmosphere because obviously you know the uh, it's it's God's birthday um, on on uh, Monday, so they're looking to to make it a decent uh, decent atmosphere for for, for Danny. Um, dropped some ticket prices, I do believe. I think it's uh, is it a tenner for entry to the Stacey West? Possibly. I must admit, I don't read any of the ticket price posts. Okay, yeah, I think I think they've um, they've made them a bit more palatable for people you know on a, on a Tuesday night and as we've said before you know what what is better than than a football ground on a Tuesday night um you know when it's 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 you know cold but it's not bitter it's you know it's just that atmosphere it's it's special if you want to see something special you know get yourself down to the bank on Tuesday and uh, hopefully we'll we'll reward Danny with uh, with a decent win for his birthday but um and do keep an eye out for Richie Bennett who scored four for Carlisle this year and actually scored in one of the few defeats that Danny suffered at Sinsel Bank, which was for Barrow when they beat us 2-1 in the National League. And I believe that he was assisted by Jordan Williams in that game and was on loan with us last season. So there you go. Good start again. You're full of them tonight. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, to be honest, I'd, you know, I spend seven days a week digesting this stuff and my missus doesn't always appreciate it just as we're about to go to sleep or, um, you know, when she first walks through the door. So I've got hopefully a captive audience here, haven't I? You know, <laughs> people, people can't reach for the stop button in time before I've reeled out another one of my fascinating Lincoln facts. <laughs> well, um, we're going to probably get a few more now because we're going to, uh, we're going to go into some questions. So I believe there's a few questions for us this week uh, from Twitterland. There is. Um, so we'll, I'll uh, I'll read them out. I'll read them one, one at a time because there's four of them to go through. The first one is from Lewis Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, now Lewis says, "When May comes around, are we bothered if we don't if we come second or third? I.e., if we don't win the league but get promoted, is that seen as disappointing?" Now I think we had something similar on a previous pod, so be quite quick i think on this one for me um yes because i think that we are the best team in the division okay um i think um in terms of prestige yes in terms of like being pragmatic about it no you know i think it was, as long as we get out of the league to me that is that is a successful season um given where we were you know all you've got to do is look back three years ago um for me and to, to watch that to watch that rise in three years will be will be something really really special. Um, it would be the cherry on the cake if we could get you know if we could win the league, but I'd be more than happy with with second or third to be honest. Yeah, do you know what? You're right. I'm being a greedy bugger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Do you know what? I've got, what I like is that at this moment in time, I believe it is the best period to be a Lincoln City fan in history. And I know we had 10 years in, in what is now the championship, you know, but we, we, we were we were poor. Bill Anderson did a great job keeping us up there, but we weren't good. We don't win trophies. And yet in two years, we've won successive, you know, trophies in successive years. And I, I, I want us to win a third. I, you know, we're on a great ride at the moment. And a lot of people kind of say, oh, what are you going to do when it finishes? Or when's it going to finish? I, Shut up. I don't care when it finishes. Do you know what I mean? When you you don't get on a ride at Alton Towers and halfway through think, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this when it finishes. You enjoy it until it finishes. And then you get off and then you either, you try and get on again. And so I think that's why I'd be disappointed. Not because finishing second or third wouldn't be a, an achievement. Because of course it would. We'd get promoted, you know, same end. But because I believe that Danny and Nicky can win this league and the players can win this league and I believe that we can all invade the pitch again and we can all sing Sweet Caroline again and we can all go into town and get drunk and pretend that we all like each other and get on. And that, you know, that's why I want us to finish first because we can. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter because we're going to win the league, but, you know. <laughs> Shall we have another question? Absolutely, let's go for it. Uh, this one is from um, a Twitter user called Mud Tree, okay. um, and they're saying, <laughs> uh, approaching quarter way through the season, what does the January transfer window like look for us? I'll throw that one over to you first. Um, I think it looks good. Um, you know, I, I don't think, uh, provided we don't have ridiculous offers coming in from championship level clubs for some of our players um i think we're going to be absolutely fine i think there might be some strengthening going on obviously today we've had uh, the news that there's been yet more investment into the club that gives you know possibly a bit more of a war chest for danny to to strengthen where he thinks he needs to in uh, in january for me the big one is whether bradford recall shay mccarton um or whether they you know whether they do indeed 
recall him before January. Uh, I'm hoping they don't. I'm hoping that you know the fact that he's getting regular first team football is is enough for them at the moment. Um, but I think realistically, as long as we as long as we leave, you know, as long as we're sat here February uh, February the first, talking about the fact that we've kept hold of pretty much everybody. I don't really think there's going to be too much that is is needed from from the transfer window, apart from, like I said, if Danny thinks, well, I could probably do with a couple more players to to push people, and, you know, keep people on the toes a bit more. Um, what about yourself? What what are you thinking? Yeah, I I, I agree with you certainly to a degree. I think keeping Shay McCartan is huge. Um, I don't know if it's, when I say it's huge, I don't know if it's critical because I don't know if maybe Matt Green can play that role anyway, but then we don't want to be making do, and that's no disrespect to Matt Green, but if if he can play the role but it's not natural, then we'd look for somebody else. Um, I believe that there will be money available should we need it, should Danny require it. I think he's assembled a squad for a season. I don't think he's assembled a squad to get through till January, but there's always the question mark over the loan players. Um, there's obviously... Scott Wharton is another who, given his current game time, are we going to be able to keep him in January? That's assuming, of course, that these deals have recall clauses. Um, I don't know the specifics of the deal. I'm not sure many people do. It might be that McCartan can't be recalled. Uh, it might be that Wharton can't be recalled. But I, you know, I, I would believe that the biggest threat to our squad is losing our loan players. In terms of bids coming in, um, you know, if someone comes in for Bruno Andrade, in my opinion, they have to pay us £250,000 to get uh, the conversation going. If somebody yeah. does, then they do. Um, I think because of the method that we've got, I, I don't think that we'll lose a key player. You know, Bozzy won't go anywhere. It's that simple. He's not going anywhere. Shackle's not going anywhere. I don't think Tom Pett will go anywhere. Lee Frecklington won't go anywhere. So, the spine remains the same. Matt Green, possibly, possibly might if he's not getting the game time, but John Akindi probably won't. Um, Matt Reed won't. So, yeah, January, it it looks a lot better for us than the last one did. And we had a great January and we didn't get the striker we wanted. So it wasn't the perfect January, but we got Lee Frecklington, we got Tom Pett, we got James Wilson, we got some very good players into this club last this January just gone. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, uh, it's... It, it's always a nervous time to a degree, but we don't have an Alex Woodyard that if you took him out of last year's side, the side deflates like a an airbed. Whereas yeah. I don't think we've got that player this season. If somebody local did come in for Bostwick and if they did offer us half a million pounds and by some phenomenal quirk of nature, he did go, Scott Wharton steps up, John uh, James Wilson steps up. So... That, that's where I think January is anyway. So thank you, Mud Tree, uh, for that. Yeah. Um, two more. Are you happy? We think we've done that to death. Yeah. Um, and just to, to sort of reinforce your point about, you know, we don't have a woodyard in, you know, that uh, one player and the, and the squad falls apart. Look at Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. You know, that that's, that's essentially it. So yeah. Next question. Let's go for it. Next question is from Adam Green. Um, how much squad planning do you think the Cowleys are doing now with League One in mind, even at this early stage of the season? Um, let me let me be pick this up first, if I may. Absolutely. Um, they were planning for League One at the middle of last season, in my opinion. It's that simple. I I I, I think everything post December the thirty first, two thousand and seventeen, has been geared towards League One. Um, 
I think you know bringing in the likes of Frecklington, bringing in the likes of Wilson in the when you look at the summer business as well, it's it's all been geared towards League One because this isn't a League Two squad that we've got. This is a squad that would survive in League One right now. This second, if we were magically moved into League One, it would be well clear of the bottom four um, by the time Christmas came around. So, you know, I, 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 that's my opinion. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I don't think there's, uh, I don't think there'd be anybody that that would look at the squad and see anything other than the ambition and the, you know, the the vision that Danny's had. Um, Obviously, you know it's it's not been a cheap, uh, not been a cheap squad to assemble. We we mentioned that in a in a previous podcast where we said you know we are spending money, but it's money that's sustainable. I think the fact that Danny has undoubtedly take a look uh, taken a look at the situation and gone right, what can I build with the budget that I've got that will get us as far as I can possibly or as far as we can possibly go at this moment in time. Um, at this moment in time, we're held back by the league structure. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're held back by the fact that we can't play the likes of, you know, Barnsley and Peterborough. You know, we, we we are in the league that we're in because of the league structure. So we've got the best squad that we can, you know, that Danny could have assembled at the time. And it's being proven by the fact that we're top of the league. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think to, to suggest that he's, he's potentially looking at the the level of you know league one players now is is maybe doing him a bit of a disservice in that i think like you said we we do have league one quality players in our squad now and some would potentially argue that we have championship level quality players in our squad as well one or two possibly here's a question and it's not one that's on the list i'm just interested to know what you think if we go up does matt reed go with us oh um I don't know. Um, That'll make good I, listening. Thank you. I, <laughs> I honestly, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't, I don't really know. Without, without looking into it, I don't know what Reedy's contract situation is like at the minute. Is, is this his finishes? Doesn't it? Does he have this year? I think. Is it? In, mm, I might okay. be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he signed a two-year deal at the beginning of last season. The, re- the reason I ask, I mean, we. we Basically, I in a tweet earlier, I said, obviously, I'd spoken to Matt Reed for the program, which I have. My turn to name drop now. And um, he, I said that I believe he will be a club legend or he, when he leaves. I believe you can own, I, I don't think it's easy to be a legend while you're at a club. I think your legend is cemented after you leave the club. And that leads us into uh, Kate Jackson's question. And, but just as a, as a friend of the pod, um, we, you know, we want to wish Kate all the best um, in, in hospital having surgery at the moment. So um, all the best with that, Kate. Hope Absolutely. it goes well. Um, the question from Kate was, at which point does a player become a genuine legend? For example, a lot of people consider Simon Yeo a legend despite his games-to-goals ratio outside of a January to March period of 2004-05 being distinctly average. And that kind of was where I was going with Matt Reid. What do you think? Um, I I think there's always that sort of... There's that cult hero status. Um, Yeo is obviously, you know, from from my my tenure as a as a Lincoln fan. Um, if someone said to you, can you name a few club legends... The, the ones that immediately spring to mind, Gareth Ainsworth, Simon Yeo, you know, they're the two that if you had to to just put a pin in somebody 
and say, right, who are your club legends from from the time you've been supporting Lincoln? It would be Ainsworth and, and Yeo. Um, obviously, I I threw my dummy out the pram a little bit last season with uh, you know when Ainsworth came with with Wickham and and played or tried to play 190 minutes of football rather than the 90. But you know he he's still he's still got that status for me. But I think um, I think yeah, it 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 is. When a player leaves, um, that that it's it's kind of galvanised. Um, you can have a player that sort of reaches that legendary status while they're playing for the club. I mean, if you look at um, the 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 one that strikes uh, you know comes to my mind for front of the club is somebody like Matt Letizia at Southampton or Billy Clark um, Sheffield United. Yeah, it's somebody that's been there for. You either get somebody that's that's achieving that sort of hero status while they're at the club because they've been there for so long. Um, I mean, it's like uh, your man at MK Dons, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Yes, you know he's he's been there for a long time. Um, You know, and I think when you start to get to that point, you've you've got a degree of. Um, maybe loyalty or, you know, uh, the, the the methods that you came into the club. I mean, if you'd have asked me uh, during, you know, 2006, 2007, it probably would have been. Um, if you'd have said to me then, oh, you know, do you have any, do we have any legends in the squad at the minute? It would be that kind of throwaway use of the word legend or hero, you know, just from, you know, oh, oh, he's just down seven points in a row. He's a legend. You know, that that kind of use of the word legend. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I would have probably said somebody like, you know, Adrian Petulia because of the way that he joined the club. Um, the fact that he's, you know, his his record kind of speaks for itself now is is maybe put in paid to the fact that he might not be a legend. Um, but yeah, I think either somebody that's been somebody that's come into the club through a, you know, through, through a, a unique way, or if they stay with the club for a very long time, otherwise it is going to be when their tenure at the club is over and they leave on good terms. I think that's probably something that would almost be a prerequisite for me. It's hmm, interesting because I, first of all, um, you've, you rattled off two legends, Ainsworth and, uh, and, and Yeo, and, you know, it's, it's hard not to pick Gareth Ainsworth. Um, I personally do struggle a little bit with a player who played fewer than a hundred games for a club being a legend. And Gareth Ainsworth did only play 97, 95, something like that. Um, but then again, you know, it, 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 Ainsworth kind of transcends uh, the rules. For me, AO is not a legend. And, you know, I like Simon Yeo. Um, his scoring record in patches was bad. You know, that first season he didn't score for seven months. He, he was a, a last roll of the dice against Torquay. And, what he did was phenomenal in that short period of time. The next season, on the opening day of the season, he was sent off against Oxford. Um, but he was a cult hero. And I think there's a very strong difference between the two, which language sometimes forgets. And I think we'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was a legend. Mm. It's like some of the former Players Association players when they go come and meet the legends and you look at the, the players that are there. And, you know, no disrespect, Tony Battersby, Matt Carmichael, you know. I mean, Matt Carmichael was a good player. Was he? Is he a club legend? Mm. And that, you know that takes on take kind of takes us to Kate's question in that: what does someone have to do to be a legend? And in my opinion, they have to be part of a successful side. So somebody like Scott Kerr, two hundred and twenty-four appearances in in an everly ever decreasingly um, rubbish side, uh, could never be a legend because the club achieved nothing. 
Mm. Pete, again, in my opinion, was a legend. And that goes against one of your rules because he left the club in acrimonious circumstances and was booed at, at Peterborough. Um, but for me, Pete, again, was a legend because when he wafted his left foot, magic happened. Um, Richard Butcher, for me, is a legend. Probably as much because, unfortunately, he's passed as what he achieved, but also because he was he was a positive part of Keith, the Keith era. Whereas Yeo was in and out of the side. Yeo had impact here and then didn't have impact there. When those players played, they had impact. You know, you, you didn't get a spell where Peter Game was on the bench for 10 games or where Peter Game didn't perform for seven months. Um, but I'll defend my billing of Matt Reed as a potential legend when he leaves. Um, and I think that is evident by the fact that he gets man of the match and cheered off the pitch for doing the same as as Johnny Kindy gets kind of berated for the week before. Matt Reed lifts the crowd. Matt Reed walks on the field, people cheer, people feel good. Not because he's a great footballer, you know, he, he can't run by his own admission. You know, he's very talented, but he has limited appeal. But he's been here from the very dark days of, of, you know, Chris Moyes taking over. I mean, Chris did a good job. I'm not saying it was dark days because of Chris. I'm saying it was dark days because, you know, we thought 10th in the National League was a good finish. Reed scored a lot of goals. You know, he was there at Burnley winding up Joey Barton. He, he was there when we lifted the Checker Trade Trophy. He was there when we lifted the National League. He, he can't not be a legend when he leaves. It, sorry, it's that mm. simple. He can't not be a legend. I think there's something that you've touched on there and it's it's almost it's the thing that I didn't you know I, I didn't really pick up on um it's the relatability as well absolutely um you know if you've got somebody that's relatable if you've got somebody that has um you know that level of of kind of connection with the fans like you say really steps on the pitch everyone just gets it and you know he can he can g the crowd up from nothing um i think the the distinction that you you know you make there about whether they're a cult hero or whether they're a legend um i was gonna say it's a you know it's that thing about it will be a player that will give you a moment you know they'll give you the moments that you know those ones where the hairs stand up on the back of your neck when you think about them and to me i would feel it, it's it's an odd one. This the, the next thing I'm about to say because I, I think you probably you can probably tell where I'm going to go with it because you know we've we've both got um, we we both sort of you know for want of a better phrase we, we kind of know um, Nathan Arnold quite well um, you know away from away from football and you know through other means to me what he's what the, the moments that he gave me as a fan will live in my memory until the day that I die I think you know the goal against Ipswich, the goal against Gateshead, those two moments crystallised that season for me. You know, that that was the moment that made me fall back in love with football. And it was the moment where essentially th- that put us in the position where we were going to, you know, we were basically back in the Football League at that point. And it was those two moments that, yes, that they make him a cult hero, but is he going to be a club legend? No. You know, 20, 30 years down the line, are they going to look back and go, oh, you know, Nathan, I was a Lincoln City legend. It's like, no, he he gave us those moments, but 
it, yeah, I, I know what I'm trying to say, and I'm, I'm okay, sure people yeah. listening will, will probably understand what I'm getting at. But Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think the other point is that people, when we talk about Nathan Arnold, people say, yeah, but he played for Grimsby, so he can't be a club legend. You know, he puts on his Instagram the goal that, that put Grimsby into the Football League, and that would be an argument. But then, you know, I, I'd kind of counter that by saying, you know, one of the all-time legends by anybody who who followed Lincoln into in the 80s is Gordon Hobson, and he also played for Grimsby. So I think, you know, it's hard to classify legend because there isn't a set of rules. You'd think it would be over 100 appearances. You look at Gareth Ainsworth, you'd think they couldn't have played for a rival. You look at um, Gordon Hobson, you might even look at Bobby Cummins or you might look at Nigel Batch. Um, you, you look, you know, if somebody is a record appearance holder, Grant Brown, yes, he's a legend. 250 appearances apiece for Alan Power and Scott Kerr. Are they club legends? It, it's... I think it's just a unique set set of circumstances has to come together. But, you know, for me, you have to have won something. You have to have been part of something, which you just talked about, part of that spine tingling side. Matt Reed played against Ipswich. Matt Reed flicked on for Nathan Arnold's goal. Yet, you know, a season later, Matt Reed's in the Checker Trade Trophy. A season later, Matt Reed's playing against Port Vale. And once once you've got four seasons behind you, and in three of those, you've, you're winning trophies and you, you're competing at the top of a division, and you know you, you're adored by the fans. I, I just think, yeah, he won't be a legend if he keeps getting man of the matches though and scoring goals and costing me a fucking fortune through the Matadors. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm going to have to sell my house if he keeps playing as well. I thought I was. I got asked if I could if I'd sponsor him at the beginning of the season. I'm like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll get involved in that, like home and away. And I, I didn't read the small print about every time he bloody does something good, I have to pay. Every time he opens his fridge door, I think I have to give ten p or something. Honestly, <laughs> it's all for a good cause, though, you know. So it's all good. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so we did have another question from Kate, but what I'm going to say is. Um, if we save it, because obviously we're on fifty-two minutes now, and um, and I, I, you know we're in, I think we we're probably better spreading it out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, you know it's a good place to wrap it up. Um, one thing that I do want to say is that we are currently potentially talking about maybe getting some some. Um, Privileged is maybe the wrong word, but some some uh, prestigious. That's the word I'm looking for. Some some slightly more prestigious guests. On not saying that uh, you know Sam was was not, but uh, we're, we're hoping to have um, some some guests on shortly. Uh, we're working on that as we speak. <laughs> I'd love to get your dad on the podcast. I, I think we should do a live podcast after a game and one that's not been particularly good. It could be, we could do a bonus podcast. We could have our normal one or we could do one of these games. We'll do a live recording from uh, from one of the bars or something like that. I think that would go down quite well. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. But yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't want to give too much away because it, it might fall apart, but I'm hoping it won't um, for, for reasons that will become clearer from when it happens. Um, other than that, um, just want to say as well, if you can... Leave us a, a rating on iTunes, um, you know, and leave us a review as well. It does help sort of bump us up the rankings a little bit. And, you know, we want to we beat hope and glory, don't we? Um, <laughs> uh, as well as that, you know, please do recommend us to, to people at the games and, you know, on, on Facebook and, and Twitter and everything. It all helps. Um, you know, we, we've we've watched the stats kind of, go up and up and up over the past few weeks and it's uh it's actually it's really nice to see that that you know people have have taken to to the podcast really well so 
yeah, anything you can do to help us out, please do so. It, you know, it uh, it doesn't really it doesn't cost anything to to put a tweet out or retweet something. Um, and it's it is appreciated. Um, I'm sure you'll echo my sentiments in that one. Yeah, absolutely. I had somebody um, big shout out to Chris Cawthorn who won't listen, no doubt. Um, come up to me on Saturday and say, Joe, what? I wish you did a spoken word of your blog because I get about two paragraphs in and get bored, and I kind of think. I said to him, I do the podcast. And he's like, well, what's that? So there you go. If you get bored after two paragraphs of reading one of my blogs and, you know, forgive, don't I absolutely forgive you. Um, that's what this is, isn't it? It's a spoken word, two man blog between me and Ben. Absolutely. Right. So yeah, it, it's, it's all appreciated and, um, we'll, we'll leave it as ever. Have you got anything you want to plug? Yes, I have. Ooh, here we go. The fanzine will be out against Cambridge. That's issue two of the Stacey West. Issue one sold out, which is fantastic because I still had 60 subscribers from a City United, so it cost me about 200 quid. Um, so this <laughs> is the first one where where the potential is um, that it might actually make some money for the club. So, uh, yeah, it's really good. It's by far the best printed product that I've produced or, or myself and the team rather have produced um, since we started doing a City United, since I started doing the Drange Ferret. Uh, at the beginning of the 2016-17 season. It, it's it's a really, really good piece of work, and that's because it's got far less of me in it and far more of the fans in it, which is what it's all about. So come and find either Mike. He's the big tall fella by the Stacey West. My missus will be selling as well. She'll be looking pretty somewhere away from me, uh, and I might have some in my bag um, as well. So, yeah, come and find us. Buy one. Has my piece made it in? Yes, it has. And do you know what? I've actually done some great graphics for it as well. Um, not giving too much away about why it's funny, um, but I have actually managed to depict uh, a um, equine uh, on a beach. <laughs> Superb. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. And also I've got busy on the Photoshop with one of our players uh, mixing him with uh, Pierce Brosnan from Tarzan. So it's well worth looking at. <laughs> excellent well there you go there's there's a reason to buy it right there um as ever um you know if you could uh, if you give the gaming uh, gaming website a follow if you've uh, if you've got an interest in, in video games um next gen base is where you want to go for that one um i'm a little bit annoyed this week because uh, the club did a uh, a fifa tournament um with some of the players and they said oh you can win a, a copy of fifa uh, fifa 19 signed by danny and nikki um so you know, if you can guess who won the tournament, I guess Bruno, um, and I'm 99% sure that the club posted something and then deleted it because my comment didn't appear and then Bruno won it and uh, I've, I've missed out on a chance to win it. So Are you hate FIFA? I do, but you know, you can't turn down anything for free. No, and you can play the journey. And I've actually been playing the journey um, to get my money's worth out of FIFA 19. And it's actually very good. I, I quite yeah, like that. Yeah, to be fair. To be fair, the journey is 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 really good. It's it's the mode that uh, that made me turn my head a few years ago. So, anyway, we won't uh, we won't bog you down with with gaming chat. That's what my podcast for elsewhere. So, um, thank you once again for joining us, guys. As I say, please leave us a like and and review and all the rest of it, and uh, share us. Let us let people know and and share the word, and hopefully we'll be able to get some very special guests on soon. Uh, yes, right. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Spread the love. Goodbye. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Stacey West blog podcast. The <laughs> <laughs>
start that again, shall we? <laughs> it's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.